Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a talented and exciting composer from Denmark, Kathleen Winfield. Hello, everyone. This is Leander Young of Improv Exchange, and today we have Kathleen Winfield with us from Denmark. Say hello, ma'am. Hello. Nice to have you on the show. You're the first female we'll have guest show. So could you please Great. be nice and tell everybody who you are? Yes, I'm a Danish composer and piano player and arranger, and I uh, partly play uh, with my own orchestra, my 15-piece big band, and I write and uh, arrange all the music for my orchestra. And uh, we have uh, released two CDs, and um, it, and uh, sometimes I also have projects with other big bands. Like I have toured with um, uh, the Bohuslän big band in Sweden, or we have a tour this year. And I have been playing with the Frankfurt Radio big band in Germany, uh, and a Finnish big band called the Espo big band. So uh, it's a huge privilege to me to to share my music with them. Um, with bands outside of Denmark as well. So um, I'm very happy with playing and writing and arranging music. Like it's a, it's a very like contemporary big band sound, I would say. Like it's not like the very traditional uh, sound. So I wanted to, I don't want it to be like a, or I'm not trying to be something extraordinary, extraordinary or something very like groundbreaking, but I just want to make big band music in my own way. Well, you're doing a good job at that. And what do you play with the big band? What instrument do you play with them, if anything? I play piano. That's your main instrument? Yes, it's my main instrument, yes. Okay. And you mainly perform in the Scandinavian countries, and you said Germany, anywhere else? Yeah, primarily in the Scandinavia, and we have been playing in the UK several times, uh, both with the big band, but also with my sextet. Um, yeah, and... Uh, if the coronavirus is not uh, destroying everything, I'm going on a Europe tour this summer uh, with my sextet. Um, so we'll be playing, if, if, if we are allowed to, we'll play in Italy and France and Spain and Germany and England and Ukraine. So, but we'll see if... Uh, we'll see if how that goes, honestly. Be- <laughs> Understand, especially in Italy, it's not doing too well right now. No, 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 no. So we will see, but um, yeah. I'm happy to have the opportunity uh, at least, but uh, and have the shows booked. But let's see; it might be next year instead. Uh, I hope so. But uh, yeah, we we don't know anything right now about anything any of us. Even so, in uh, New York, we don't know what's going on no. right now. So yeah. So you formed the sextet and you formed the big band. When did you form the big band? When did you form the sextet? Uh, the the big band uh, was formed back in 2012, my first big band, but it, that was only a 15-piece uh, orchestra, and it was in Malmö in Sweden, where I studied uh, at the conservatory at that time, um, at a music school, and then I went back to Copenhagen uh, and formed my big band, which I still have uh, my 15-piece a big band in 2014, so it's six years ago now. Um, and my sixth set, uh, I have had different 
band members in my sextet, but the first version of the sextet was, I think, also like back in 2000, 2011, 12 or something like that. Understood, understood. And you said you went to a conservatory. So mm -hmm. have you ever been to an American conservatory? I just want to know the difference between the European ones and the American ones, if you know. Do you know any of the differences? No, I don't know any difference. So I've never been to America, actually. <laughs> never? Okay. Hopefully no, in the future you get to perform at least one show over here. Uh, I hope so. Sometime. Someday. Maybe. Maybe. Let's think positive on that. So another question for you. From the academic world to the real world, what have you noticed? What have you learned? I have learned a lot by forming my own uh, big band. I will say that I learned some um, some of the tools. I mean, the the pure handwork of uh, writing for um, four trombones and and four trumpets and uh, that stuff. The the more pr the more like basics of arranging for a big uh, ensemble. That was nice to have some tools from school, but all the practical experiences, all the like gigs we had, and all the collaborations with uh, yeah Mike Stern and Seamus Blake and we've played with lots of fantastic iconic musicians I have lots of life or real experience from that and school and the academic world could never had given me the same um, the same knowledge that I have now so I mean I think a, a big part of my uh, yeah if we call it success or my like uh, progress is uh, thanks to a lot of uh, experiences uh, in the real world Understood. So, mm. how coming from being a student to being a professional on your own, how do you see it different? Or what shocked you the most coming out? I think what shocked me the most um, is all the things beyond music because I, I always... Um, I, I was prepared to practice a lot and I knew that it was a tough, uh, tough decision to to decide to be a musician, but I, I mean, I, I love it so much, so I, I had no choice but being a musician, but all the things about being a band leader and uh, the tough decisions you have to make, uh, so everything besides the music has been very tough sometimes because you have to be very straight, and even though you play with your friends, you have to uh, make some hard decisions sometimes that even you like their playing and their personalities, you uh, maybe you are maybe forced to kick them out of your band if they are never on time and if they don't answer your phone calls. So it's a very hard balance and it's tough that you, you can't be best friends with everybody. So the, the more like you're a leader of something, the more people um, you... Um, so you what lost you call more it? friends being a director. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's, uh, it, it, um, it requires a special personality. I think uh, you, you can't be afraid of conflicts when you have this role that I have. So uh, so it was never like my uh, goal to be a leader or a, a conductor or director, but I I, I just uh, turned out to be one because I fell in love with writing for, for large ensembles. So what made you actually make the big jump to form your own big band, record your big band? I, uh, I had a course or a, a class in uh, in school that was called arranging for big band and I I already I already wrote lots of music and I thought that was interesting to um, to uh, dig into that further and try to to develop my arranging or writing skills so that was um, kind of a, 
it was not that planned actually and then i i thought it was uh, it was fun and i thought it, it wasn't too hard and then i was attracted by the thought of doing something else you know there's so many quintets and quartets and splendid uh, solo players and splendid everything and i really wanted to to um, somehow be seen or, or to to have a voice in music uh, to have a name or something and i thought that was a uh, a nice way of trying out that to do something else and i was very prepared to uh, to say that okay this uh, this didn't succeed and i know this is very very ambitious but i thought maybe it could gain lots of attention and lots of quality and not least for the the social part of leading a big band and uh, the yeah the, the beautiful thing about them um, well the thing about big they, bands is that i noticed that it's harder to get them together it's harder to yeah, form yeah, it is. and it's hard to travel with a big band. When I formed my yeah, band, yeah. at least the gigs in general, was just hard to get mm-hmm. everyone on schedule, find a place big enough nowadays to hold them. Because at least in New York, a lot of them are set up for quintets, quartets. Exactly. And that's why I also partly tour with my sextet. And we play the same um, we play the same kind of styles of music and lots of the same tunes. But, I mean, with a big band, it's it's like it's a bigger job, but it's also a bigger party. So that's uh, that's what it is like uh, with the ambition. And the, the special thing is that because I chose to do something else and do something very ambitious, and I have been ext- um, I have been working extremely hard, and I'm really working hard to to write music of high quality. That meant that I quickly got a lot of um, financial support, and I got some fantastic unique opportunities we had a gig every week uh, during the first year after i formed the band nice. we have a, a weekly gig at a jazz club where we also played with the guest stars like mike stern and we played with some other and uh, we got lots of great reviews and at that time we didn't get that much money but at least we played lots of gigs and got lots of reviews and attention so that was uh, very much of a kickstart and I wonder where I've been today if I didn't have all that uh, luck in the very beginning of my career, because I think, I mean, when you work so hard and so like so much uh, on your own also, it takes a lot of time to both practice your instrument and write and compose and arrange. And, you know, um, you also need a lot of support, like mentally, in order to keep up the good spirit. So, so it was a mixture of I... I mean, I got a lot of uh, good vibes from the oh, beginning. So that's that a great I think thing, just that in has... general, that you were able to have a weekly gig. You had people supporting you. You had some income coming yeah. from it, which motivates you. But yeah. what would you tell someone that is trying to form a big band right now? Um, it's very, um, like with music in general, if you have great ambitions, it's very important to be very consistent to uh, work with it like every day kind of and be prepared to uh, take some very hard decisions and be extremely um, ambitious with your layout with your with your sheet music so that you spend a lot of time like making it very easy to read just like so that your ambitions are very much like a general thing so you write great music you might you make great layout you're good at telling people when to come to the rehearsal and you are very, very, and first of all, you are very, very clear in your visions and ideas. Uh, and so it's very uh, important to be realistic as well. So you say you have to make the ambition clear, make the sheet music clear and everything. But mm. apparently your Aircraft album 
the big band mm-hmm. one did phenomenal. It won the Danis Music Award for Best New Jazz Artist. And I believe yeah. you were nominated for two other stuff. So apparently yeah. you nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. I mean, it was a huge surprise after my first, my debut album. So that was fantastic. And as I said, a fantastic motivation to, uh, to move on with it. Well, how much did that roughly cost you? Or how, how much did it cost to get that project off the ground? Uh, to to have a, you mean what it uh, from the practices for one, for one gig to record or, it, or the record or to produce it to print it how much did all that roughly cost you do you have an idea or uh, the CD yeah. um I thought it was oh I don't remember and I I mean my my record label also pays some and I I applied for some support but so that was not it was actually not that expensive oh, okay. um. I think, and I, also with my first CD, I mean, I don't think I paid the musicians anything, actually. <laughs> Maybe a, a very, very little uh, amount of money, but it was very much like Conor Moore. The first time I thought, okay, are you willing to record an album? Because I think we need to do that in order to have any gigs and and stuff like that. So I don't think that was, uh, that was so extremely expensive, actually. Yeah. And in Denmark, we have great opportunities to, uh, to apply for uh, support for uh, such projects. So of course it, 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 it was an amount, but it was not uh, totally uh, beyond. It was, it was, uh, that's good. That's good. Uh, yeah. What label are you with over there? Uh, I'm on stunt records. I don't know if you know it. It's a Scandinavian company, music company. No, I don't know anything about them. I'm going to have to listen to <laughs> artists right now, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it's a nice label. They 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 released my second album, uh, Latency Worldwide, and they are going to release my third one. We are about to record the third album now, actually. So uh, hopefully it will be out within within 2020, actually. Okay, tell us about the third album that's coming out. I Who yeah. are you going to have on it? Any big plans? Anything exciting? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I do you I mean musically or in general? Or? Musically in general. Yeah, musically, I, I mean, the, I have, as you, uh, as you can hear at my, especially maybe my first album, but also my second, that I, I love the, the swing tradition or the uh, bebop, hardbop tradition. But I think on my third album, I'm more, I'm more, uh, I have uh, waved goodbye to the swing tradition and the swing sound. I mean, it's more like, even eights and odd meters and more like uh, inspired by VJ Ayer and okay. um, we'll I don't know Eric oh. Harland and Aaron Parks, Kurt Rosenwinkel, more like contemporary. But that's a strange word. But uh, I hope you uh, understand I what I mean. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. You're changing it out, becoming more modern, and hopefully, uh, hopefully it swings as I mean it's not swinging, but it grooves as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, I really want to make it physical and uh, groovy and uh, in the same time. But it's it's just like it's not that I'm not liking the swing beat or the swing feel less, but it's like it's not the represent represent representative represent. How do I say it? It's not like uh, it do- doesn't feel that natural anymore. No, I mean, I when I checked out a lot of bebop and hardbop stuff, it was natural to me to write such things. But uh, nowadays, I'm morally like, I mean, my, 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 my first, my, my, my huge, my biggest influences are still Kurt Rosenwinkel and uh, Aaron Parks and all the contemporary yeah. artists. So that is my, 
my top icons. A more contemporary so. route with yes, a more absolutely. modern feel. And hopefully the general public who appreciates swing is going to feel it as well. I hope so. <laughs> and especially in Denmark, because I never go over there. What have you noticed about the music scene recently? Has it been getting better? Has it been getting worse? In Denmark? Yes. Actually, in Copenhagen, there is a special tendency uh, among the younger players to to uh, really like explore the bebop tradition. It has a, a huge revival these days. So a lot of the young, very young cats play like uh, very much like Dexter Gordon and uh, Cannonball Adderley. And it sounds great, but it's very special that it is really like people are very much into that and play gigs uh, with that. And of course, we have also more modern players, but... Uh, actually, uh, I see many of the of the, of the people from the new uh, generation finds a lot of um, quality in these, and that's a that's a great thing, actually. No, that's a great Absolutely. thing. I'm just glad that young people are still playing because, like I said, yeah. this is part Absolutely. of the podcast. I want yeah. the younger generation to feel or oh, to get exposed more. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, yeah. I really also think it's it's great because. Uh, there's a, it's a, it's, they are really taking it seriously, and that's uh, extremely important that people are very working thoroughly and uh, in the depth with whatever they do. So where do you think jazz will be in 10 years in Denmark? Do you think it's going to be expanding? Do you think it's going to be decreasing in views and sales? I think part of the, part of the jazz will decrease and part of it will expand. Uh, I mean, there is a strong jazz scene and, and the tradition of jazz is kind of strong in Denmark after we had the great era with the Dexter Gordon who had lived in Copenhagen and Ben Webster and we have lots of Copenhagen is a fantastic jazz uh, city so I'm, I'm kind of sure that jazz will not uh, die out totally but of course things are changing quickly so uh, it's, it's really hard to tell I think. Okay. And as a piano player, you're in more demand than the average musician, especially since you write, arrange, and compose your own stuff. How has mm. that affected you and your colleagues? Do you feel like you're more in demand, or do you feel like people feel intimidated? Um, do, do you mean as a, as a piano player? As a piano player or, and a composer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's a it's a it's a great thing for me that I can both work as piano player uh, and as a composer. But of course, in the beginning of my um, big band uh, writing, and when I founded my big band and decided to do that, I had to spend a lot of time uh, writing and composing, and I didn't have too much time to practice and develop uh, the piano. So that was uh, that was extremely tough for my self confidence. But I knew that I was do doing something very very important. But but during the last years, I have um, I've gone back to the piano more, and now I'm playing in some very great groups. But I don't think that, I, that I, at all that I'm more in demand because I have a a big band. I think I'm. I will say that the way that I'm. I'm happy to be able to do both that I have time. I've had time to develop my skills both as an instrumentalist and as a composer and arranger. Okay. And I love to, I love to live by doing partly the one thing and partly the other. So you're going to try to live it out doing both. I like that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, lots of my writing comes directly from my instrumental skills and my knowledge of the physical 
part of music. So I would never be able to write what I do if I didn't play. So it's very important for me to develop a lot on my instrument as well, because it gives me a clear idea of what is organic and what is physically possible to play, even though I'm not a horn player. But I think it's very, very, very important to write great stuff because you know it from the from the engine, you know, or you are the engine yourself and you can feel in your body and your fingers how, how does this work and how does it feel. And how will so flow that's, better. I that's know. extremely important to me. I like that. I like that. So if you could give a piece of advice to your 18-year-old self, what would it be? Would you talk them out of being a musician or would you tell them to keep going? Uh, sorry, uh, if I should give an advice to a young musician, no, if, if you they give, should if you were go give, on. If you were to give advice to 18-year-old you, yeah, okay. what would it be? Um, yeah, spend more time on music instead of uh, doing lots of other things. I was very like... I was interested in very many things and that has been great, but I could have trusted more in the musical part of myself and just spent more time on that instead of also writing a lot and, uh, you know, texts and playing theater. And I was very like interested in lots of things. So it could have been nice to even earlier to be specialized, I think. Understood. So last few questions I'm going to ask you. If you could mm -hmm. write an album where there were no constraints, no restrictions, and you could have pretty much anyone on it, what would it be? Um, it's hard to say. I somehow, uh, 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 regarding no rest restrictions, I am actually in the middle of a, a project with no rest restrictions. I have a commissioned work for the great Swedish big band, Bohusland Big Band, the best big band in Sweden. So they have ordered one hour of music uh, from me. So I'm in the middle of composing totally without any any specific uh, frames. Um, so I actually just write what I feel like. So it's very much an um, extension to what I wrote recently. So, um, okay. but of course I could, I could imagine making a more like, uh, I, I, I don't know, there are lots of solo players uh, in the world and, that could be nice to feature. For instance, it could be nice to make some more with Seamus Blake or something. Um, but most of the time, I actually write without restrictions. I, I mean, sometimes I have an album I have to finish, but still, I I mean, it's more like the rule than the exception that I write without except, uh, restrictions. I sometimes have commissioned works for a specific event or a specific arrangement, but most of the time, I, I'm my own, uh, I only put the limits myself no, no, no. That's so, um, good. <laughs> so, what is the best compliment you ever received, and by who? The best com, the best compliment. Yes. Um, I think the, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, I got, I had an interview with a British magazine, and I think the um, the title of the interview was fantastic. Uh, it was like, um. Uh, Which uh, it was about um, a great courage and uh, she she uh, expresses a great uh, courage and determination of a strong explorer or something so that was about the courage and determination I think these words are very great because they're strong 
mm-hmm. and they, they, they show some direction and also some strength and, and some will to break the frames. So um, I think it was like pushing the pushing the boundaries of Danish big band jazz with the uh, courage and determination of a great explorer. I think that was the title. So I, I thought that title was a very fantastic uh, explanation and very like which magazine strong was words. it though? Was it Jazzwise? Uh, it, it was uh, no, it was Jazz in Europe. Jazz in Europe. That's the name. I of the can magazine? find it here. That's okay. Well, I don't know. If I'm not sure if it's an online magazine or if, yeah, pushing. I have it here actually, pushing the boundaries of uh, pushing the boundaries of Danish big band jazz. Okay. Uh, uh, Katrine Wilfer is moving jazz music forward with the courage and determination of a great explorer. Yeah, I think that's that's a kind of a, a fantastic compliment. No, oh, it actually is. Any magazine that's willing to give you a shout out, I think, is amazing. So, last thing before I let you go. I normally like to ask a few people on the show questions. Like, who would they rather prefer and who did they prefer? In other words, from the older generation, giving them a shout out. So, on trumpet, would you rather have Dizzy Gillespie or Louis Armstrong? Uh, Dizzy Gillespie. Yeah, Gillespie. Okay. On saxophone, Cannonball or Joe Henderson? Uh, Cannonball. On guitar, Wes Montgomery or Charlie Bryant? Uh, Wes Montgomery. Okay. On bass, Christian McBride or Esperanza Spartan? Uh, Christian McBride. Piano, Duke Ellington or McCoy Tyner? McCoy Tyner. Max Roach or Art Blakely on percussion? Uh- Art Blakey. Okay. You said it very confident. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, please let everyone know where to find your work, your website, your handles, all that stuff. Yeah. My website is uh, www.windfeld. As my my name is spelled a little special. So www.windfeldmusic.com. Dot, uh, DK. Uh, yeah, and on Facebook, I'm just called Katrine Winfeld Artist Page, for instance, or my personal profile, but I have an artist page with some updates and stuff. Oh. And you can find my two albums as well on Spotify. Yes, her albums are on Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, ma'am, for having us. This is Liam DeYoung, you. once again, from Improv Exchange. Have a good day, everyone. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange. <laughs>